Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Use code DNVR when you sign up for a new account to get amazing Osmus every single day. Rudo, Megan, one of us took the party bus. One of us had to actually work tonight. <laughs> uh, I still had a great time. It was still a blast. <laughs> Heck of a hockey game from Colorado. Taking down the Calgary Flames 4-1. to one. I was a little bit surprised at how chippy it got. We'll get into that a little bit later in the show. But uh, especially on a back-to-back, I think the way I put it in the title I sent to Tiff was extremely efficient work from Colorado. They really went in there, knew what they had to do, and got it done quickly. 11 out of 12 on this weird back-to-back schedule stretch. Megan, can you ask for anything more out of Colorado right now? No, just even evaluating not only playing 11-7, these three stretches of back-to-back games where they get points in 11 of 12, yeah. points up for grabs there. Yep. They missed one point out that of six games. That is really hard to ask for more, especially given the rigor of that schedule for them. Yeah. And they're down a Kale McCarr at points. They're down a Josh Manson at points. Yep. They're asking Georgiev to start back-to-back nights. Twice. There are a lot of things we'll unpack just in the context of this game specifically that make being able to do this now a couple games in a row pretty impressive, pretty important too in unpacking the narrative of this season too and what it means for them moving forward. And I very much want to get into that. Two things. First, chat. <laughs> it's the party bus. We've been drinking. I promise. Uh, two, we got to do the 60 second rundown. Uh, so let's get into that. Um, I will take this one. I'll do my best. All right. First of all, Nathan McKinnon just is the abs engine. He gets him started every single night. He gets the first goal of this game. Uh, the rest of this game was kind of sort of Jacob Markstrom being not the best. <laughs> Which is fair enough. And you know what? We'll get into that too. But the Avs make it 2-0 as they go through the first period. They do a great job of understanding that it's a Sega Baba. They get ahead. They stay ahead. They make their lives easy. Something they haven't done enough this year. But post-All-Star break, they've been very, very good at it. Second period, they take advantage of the power play. We've been critical at times of the Avs power play this year. It ends up going to Miko on the tip in front. Nachushkin with the uh, one-time shot. That gets it going to make it 3-0. Calgary does get one goal back on a power play of their own, but Dennis Malgin with, like, genuine sickest goal of the year <laughs> candidate to make it 4-1, and the Avs cruise through the third period to take this one home. That 60-second rundown got me so excited about this game all over again. I wanted to interrupt at several points out Perfect. of pure excitement. Should have. Should have just broken it out of the 60-second. We should have just given up on it from the start. No, no, but it's important to break it down period by period, too. So there will even, be some order to this. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll organize <laughs> it. I didn't even get into the wild chippiness of the third period. Good point. Which was a whole other thing. Uh, but, but take it from the top. One... Man, does it feel good to have Nathan McKinnon on your hockey team. Genuinely. I know what I'm asking, and I'm going to ask it anyway. Is there a hockey player on planet Earth better than Nathan McKinnon? It feels really hard to answer this question on the heels of some pretty great Nathan McKinnon performances. But the reason that I could justify saying 
that he is quite excellent is because of how well-rounded he is. The evolution of his game has been becoming more than just a goal scorer, which he still is, but he's also become someone who is willing to set up plays and be a bit more of a playmaker. And we've talked about it before in other pods about the blue-collar things that he does defensively that will bail out players in the defensive zone often enough that he is just so well-rounded at every end of the ice that you'll take that player every second of the day. It's There's a reason he's a center. Let's put it that way. That defensive responsibility... And he's not Patrice Bergeron. He's not going to win any Selkies, Selkies or anything. Sure. But he is by no means a pushover in the defensive zone. What you're kind of alluding to here, I'm not saying Nathan McKinnon is better than Connor McDavid. I am saying he's better defensively than Connor McDavid. Does that make him the best player in the world? Ah, that's for everyone to I decide. I completely yeah. evaded answering that question <laughs> directly also. <laughs> He's also not on a 150-point pace this season. No, so. but I think we're going to get him to the 100-point mark. I, it's looking good. I don't want to say anything, good. though. This has been jinxed before, so. <laughs> no, we don't do jinxes here, all right? Sorry. I called this game a dub before the third period even started. A little stitious. The, no, no, no amount stitious on this side <laughs> of the room, all right? That side can be stitious. <laughs> we're good. McKinnon's getting to 100 points. I'm calling it right now. Uh... You go through this game, Megan. You got to talk to the guys. You talked to Bednar in the room. Was it was this the game plan? Was it to jump out early, get ahead? Yes, because it's not the first game. Because we saw earlier games, like kind of coming out of the All Star break, and then in response to why they were trying to build momentum just before it, there were games where they gave up leads that they had established earlier in the game, and. It was because they didn't quite start with enough intensity and carry it through the rest of the game. And so the secret to the back-to-backs is we talked about that conservative mindset that's selectively conservative. It's earned if you start the game with enough intensity. And so it feels very much a part of the strategy at this point to come out the gate hot. What Jared Bednar said, too, is that's always what is expected. That's always the messaging. However, it's up to the players whether or not to implement that mindset. And only players can get themselves up for these games. And it's hard on the second leg of a back-to-back. But it does feel like this time of year has brought about a different level of intensity because of what these games mean to them that has made it more possible for them to start games on time and come out very strong. I don't want to understate the growth of this team through this year alone in doing that. And particularly after this All-Star break, we talked about McKinnon stepping up, the Avs understanding the situation, they still have to go out and do that. And they they are. They're going out, they understand what they need to do to win a hockey game, and it's not, oh, well, you know, they got a lead and then they blew it and this, that, and the other thing. It's No, they're, they're executing to a T. They understand how to win hockey games. Uh, uh, to that point, through the rest of the first period, I, I think there were like something like three minutes left in the period, and shots were eight to three. How have the Avs found a way to so effectively limit the high event hockey in, in these Sega Babas to not get into that run and gun game? It starts with team defense first and foremost. Like there are some games where this has been the strength and the reason that they win games too, and it's limiting the amount of time spent in their own zone. And so that is closing out guys early in the neutral zone just to 
minimize the amount of time they spent they in the defensive zone. Excellently tonight, by they the way. They did excellently. Honestly, too, I was looking, and this was before the final score was in, what the, the blocks uh, block shots were, but the Avs had a quite a large shot volume there, too, that they just absorbed that didn't even make it on net. That made things a little bit easier for Georgiev to start in a second night of a back-to-back. -back. Yep. I think they recognize, too, the importance of that. When they have either a young goaltender like point. a Yusta Sonnenin or a Georgiev on the second leg of a back-to-back, -back, that's where team de defense becomes so important because they recognize that it's going to be really hard to ask that of their goaltender. And I think they just play that preemptively then. I, it's that buy-in, I think, that, that really shows where Colorado is at. Is Yes, they understand what it takes to win. Yes, they're willing to do what it takes to win. But it goes further than that. It goes to the level of picking up your teammates, understanding where your teammate might be struggling, and being able to fill in and support that role significantly, which I think had a lot to do with some of the stuff that happened in the third period of this hockey game as well. But, again, we're not there yet. We'll get to that in a minute. Megan, you're going to have to remind me who scored the second goal because my phone is yeah, dead. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Let's see here. New hook. Oh, that's... That yes. funny okay. Darren Helm-esque goal. That is exactly what I thought when it was scored as well. And I didn't mean to call it funny because what New Hook did wasn't funny, but what Logan O'Connor did was a little funny. I mean, look, if it works, it works. And it fully worked, and it was brought about, honestly, like, this is kind of the lifeblood of this team, but this line of Cogliano, O'Connor, and Newhook, what they do well brings about this type of opportunity. I think it even starts, too, with, honestly, Byram in their own end. I don't Whacking a puck. Yeah. Cogliano then gets it in transition, speed up ice, finds Logan O'Connor. Logan O'Connor sends that weird pass to the half wall, question mark? But it works because <laughs> Newhook finds it, and he just sends a one-timer from the left circle. So it, it worked perfectly. It was brought about from hard work, and it reminded you a lot of that Darren Helm goal. Well, and part of the reason why it works is that speed that you were yes. talking about. The Avs are fast enough, even with those depth lines, they get the defenseman to back off. So if that pass across isn't perfect, well, the defense is sad. You <laughs> have room laughing. to step into one. <laughs> look, no, Connor. It worked. <laughs> it worked. And that's, if it works, don't fix it. So count it there. Great to see Newhook put a goal in. Yes. He's continued to be a little bit of a streaky guy. Could you see it in this game, though? Because there was a moment even before this gets scored, they're like, all right, Newhook's feeling it tonight. And then even following it, I, you could see. We didn't end up doing this, but I, I think there was a somewhat of a case for making Newhook king of the game tonight. He'll be a stud if there were. Absolutely. Absolutely would be a stud tonight if AJ wasn't driving all the way home. <laughs> Unofficial studs and duds yeah. on the pod. <laughs> Good enough. I look, The thing about games like tonight, it wasn't perfect, but it's hard to give out duds in games like this. Because as a team... I think of one. <laughs> which one? Curtis McDermott. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Took a bad penalty, lost his fight with Lucic. And I'm not even mad about losing the fight because I actually think he had a strong edge at the beginning. It's just kind of the way it finished. It's the way people will remember it. Yeah. And, that's the reality of fights in the NHL oftentimes is the last punch is the only one that matters. But uh, again, the thing is, sure, you had those struggles in the night for Curtis McDermott, but ultimately didn't matter. No, you're right. Team wide, really good effort execution wise. This is exactly what Bednar wanted out of them, too. Question on the new hook goal. 
Who are you giving the most credit to? Are you giving credit for Newhook for the for the clap bomb, the screen in front, or did Jacob Markstrom just biff this one? It's hard because I've seen that shot not go through a couple times. Yeah. Um, this is such a cop out to give everybody a little bit of credit there, but it really 33% was right thirty three percent each. But genuinely, thought it was a good shot from Newhook, and. Agreed. Through some traffic, yeah. too. Screen helps. But, yeah, group effort. All right. And, and look, we've said this before. We said it in the Winnipeg game the other night. Never apologize for a weak performance from the other team's goalie. No. Take advantage of that. The Avs still have to put the shots on net to beat that guy. And, and yeah, Markstrom was not great, especially early in this hockey game. But the Avs created situations to take advantage of that. Something that, again, you've seen the shift in Colorado for good portions of January. I think we talked about the abs lex- lack of execution, lack of willingness to put the puck on net when it felt like they needed to. All of that has completely disappeared for this hockey team. I mean, you look at the Dennis Morgan goal, which we won't get too far ahead, but there's a reason that works. Yeah, absolutely. Because you have to try. Yep. And... Dennis Mogan might be for real. I'm kidding. We'll get to it. I mean, I think he's for real as a bottom six goal scorer. <laughs> I do. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but I do think the balance of the addition of Matt Nieto and Dennis Mogan has brought about a lot of the success. And even though they're not quite eating up as many minutes as I think they could be trusted with, yeah. it has still brought about so much more balance to the forward group that has been necessary. Like even just comparing Dryden Hunt side by side with I mean, Dennis Mogan. World of difference. Night, night and day difference. Yeah. Definitely a significant increase. I'm not going to lie to you. You know, I don't think Dennis Mulligan has a huge impact on the defensive side of the puck, but neither did Dryden Hunt. And Mulligan has certainly been more impactful on the offensive side. So we'll get to the goal in a little bit. For now, we are brought to you by the amazing people over at Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. Had a few of these tonight. Not going to lie to you, Chet. It's, It's a party bus game, all right? You got to excuse me for this one. Uh, also, shout out to all of our amazing people who go on the party bus and then roll into the bar and like, Rudo, we're buying you drinks. It's happening. Even just the conversation. It yeah. was why we started a little bit late. We just have a really wonderful community out here that if you ever get to just roll through town or you live here, I absolutely recommend coming by. If you have great people. If you haven't come down, you got to get it. We also appreciate y'all in the chat. Uh, y'all here for us past midnight on a Saturday in a game that has ended over an hour ago. Y'all are for real. We appreciate that. And if you want to support us, Breckenridge Brewery is the way to do it. Eight beers on tap here at the bar. (laughs) You can get it in all of the 50 states. I actually was talking to uh, someone the other night who used to work for them. They used to only be Colorado. It used to be like hard to get this beer outside of Colorado. Not anymore. You can go get it wherever you want. So go to breckbrew.com. Use the Breck Beer Locator online there to find it near you and get yourself some delicious, (laughs) I can speak, avalanche ale for yourself. Also brought to you by Illegal Pete's. I'm not saying the play for the party bus today was to go to Illegal Pete's for happy hour from 3 to 6 p.m. and then come to the bar and go on the party bus, but that was the play. That was what you should do. 
you want to get yourself a delicious meal as well, they have fresh ingredients for all of their burritos. Whatever you might have as far as dietary restrictions, vegan, vegetarian, if you have allergies, they will take care of you. They have options for you. Even if you're just on a keto, paleo, I... I don't diet. I'm sorry. I, I don't know all the fancy diets that are... You can probably tell. Uh, but You're on the you, Rudo. Yeah, the Rudo diet, which is just get fat. That's, <laughs> that's the Rudo diet. Uh, but if you are on a diet, they will take care of you with that, too. Options for everybody. Margaritas that are delicious. Go check them out at Illegal Pete's. Ten different locations here in Colorado, including one just a couple of blocks away from the bar. Check them out. Get burritos. Get delicious get fancy, do whatever you got to do. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. The second period was kind of a tale of two teams to me. The Arabs came out, they continued playing good hockey in the first half, and then the realities of a Sega Baba set in in the second half where legs run out. (laughs) I honestly felt like because it was observable, the moments where it's like, ah, they are on the second leg of a back-to-back. But I felt like those moments were so short-lived compared to the entirety of point. the period, if that makes sense. Like, they're kind of shift by shift. You would notice it, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't last for very significant amounts of time in the second period. So, didn't have too much issue with the way it unfolded, truthfully. No problems. For Let sure. me see, too, how this one was penalized. Because the end of the first period got a little bit weird. It did. The Avs killed a good penalty very nicely at the end Honestly, of Honestly, I know that they allow a power play goal against, but there were a lot of things to like about the penalty kill tonight. Agree. You, you mentioned the uh, standing them up in the neutral zone. Penalty kill was really, really good at that tonight. There were, at least for the first three of four, that they didn't even get a shot on net. They didn't allow Calgary. Like, there were attempts blocked, attempts missed, but they didn't get one on net. Georgiev was he was put in a very good position as a result of that. Even with penalty killers in the box at points. Yeah, you're, you're right. You saw multiple players that regularly go on the apps PK, go to the box at different times. And... At times, the Avs did get a little bit lucky in the second period. You saw a couple of posts go the Avs way, a couple of things like that where, you know, it's a little bit of a good break that Calgary didn't execute on some of their opportunities. But I don't want to take away from the guy at the back for Colorado. The king of the game tonight, we're giving it to Alexander Georgiev. Not that the team in front of him didn't play great, but the reality is... (laughs) I love it. Wall, exactly correct. Gives up one goal tonight. Georgiev gave the Avs a game where two goals was enough. Now the Avs went on and scored four, which is great. We'll get to those. But especially in a Sega Baba situation, all the credit in the world to Colorado with the block shots. Yes, all that is good. All of that becomes a lot easier when you trust the guy behind you. And this is something that was shouted out in the post game from Jared Bednar specifically that ever since Georgiev hit that milestone where he has started the most games of his entire career, because if you look at his time in New York, it was trending in the wrong direction. He was having worse seasons by the year. He has really turned things around in, in a way that people maybe wouldn't have expected. And now he has fully assumed the role of starting goaltender for the first time in his career. And he's trending in a very positive direction. It's very, in my opinion, stable, too. Like, the way that Darcy Kemper came to Colorado, adjusted to playing 
with this different team in front of him. You really saw it in the back half of the season. But for Georgiev, I feel like he has very gradually gotten better and more comfortable in a way that you feel comfortable with because it yep. feels repeatable. And yep. two starts back to back like this, for him to have two good performances points to exactly what you want out of a starting goaltender. It builds trust from both parties, not just the team playing in front of him, but Gurev and himself. It's I'm going to be honest, the last this stretch of 6 games, the back-to-backs have made Colorado's front office once again look like absolute geniuses. They go out and target Georgiev because of their scouts see this level of play from him. He's capable of this when he is the starter. They go out and get Matt Nieto, who has provided key goals throughout this stretch. They trade Dryden Hunt for Dennis Morgan, who scores, again, we're about to get to it, a ridiculous goal tonight. It often feels like this front office can do no wrong. Genuinely. I, I also wanted to add in the post game, it was asked about the depth addition for goaltending in Kincaid, and it's just that. There's been no setback to Pavel Francouz. His timeline was initially reported as three weeks or so. We're kind of looking at four, sure. is what we're looking at. And nothing has happened in this kind of two week window that points to a problem. It is honestly just to have another option there. So hopefully that alleviates a little bit of concern as to why this transaction with Bowers happens today. It, it's not pointing to anything wrong with Franco's, but the belief in Georgiev as the starter is rising, and that's that's really the biggest takeaway. Yeah, I look. I'm going to be honest with you. Most teams that go on to be successful in the playoffs don't start their backup for 50 percent of the games. It's great that the Avs were able to do that last year. It's great that they got through the injury that Kemper dealt with in those playoffs. The reality, the plan, the path to the cup, if the Avs are following that this year, is Georgiev, start and finish. So seeing that guy play this way, and, and we talked about this going into this section of the year, we know Kemper played great from January through April. It's pretty hard to knock Georgiev so far through this stretch. He's done everything that the Avs have asked of him. And that's how you end up with a stretch where you go 11 of 12 points. You had Ananen making one of these starts, five of them from Georgiev, and he goes four wins and an overtime loss in that stretch. Ridiculously good. And that was the plan. I know there was confusion as to why this swap was happening with Ananen and Johansson, and it's to honestly be switching out both those between Loveland, like to yeah. be getting JoJo starts and Eustace starts yep. because they're counting on Georgiev starting back to back like this where he can within reason. And they just want to make sure that whoever's backing him up is being alternated because yep. they want to make sure that whoever's not playing is at least playing in Loveland. And it's being swapped out regularly enough that they're not sitting for very long. And so makes perfect sense that it also instills trust in Georgiev. Like, hey, you're actually plan A. Not only does it do that, two things there. One, Anthony started last night for the Eagles. He got that game. So that swap allows Jota to start tonight's game. Yep. And two, directly shows the benefit of having an AHL squad that is literally an hour up the road. Yes. Because they get home, they send Anthony back up there, and you're chilling. 
we haven't we should probably do a pod on this someday but genuinely the behind the scenes work that the Colorado Avalanche have done to put this organization together and all of the things they do there is genuinely massive to how effective they've been able to be at times during this year uh, obviously with all the injuries and things like that so yeah do want to give credit to all of those logistics people behind the scenes and in, in putting these things together they absolutely deserve it um, getting back to this game special teams battle abs don't win it necessarily but they keep it even they get one Calgary gets one Avs power play goal it ends up going to Miko on the deflection in front I think you're watching this probably closer than I am what's the what's the percentometer on Val is he up to 95 <laughs> you're right we've been kind of unofficially tracking this because I got so hyped over this being Val's goal because it felt so authentically Val. Yeah. Like that's the guy that we've been searching for. Just a great goes to one knee shot kind of thing. And I wanted to shout out Byram on PP one yeah. Yeah. just for a quick second. Not that that's why this goal happens again. It's another team effort thing. Like it's Val Nichushkin taking that shot and Miko's chest just being in the right place at the right if time. If it works, it works. But it happens because they are giving Byram looks on PP1 in Kale McCarr's absence. This yep. is in part because of some of the stagnancy that they have found with the power play, generally speaking, but also obviously because of Kale McCarr's absence. But Taves could be there too. I like that they're giving Byram another look because of the way Byram's game has been trending lately points to an offensive vision that you don't want to limit. Like you want to let him discover that a little bit. And it makes this possible because I want to say it was Nathan McKinnon's shot rebound, or at least Nathan McKinnon helps to rebound. Yeah. So they're sustaining zone pressure, and that runs through Byram each time. And ultimately, it ends with Byram. And their ability to reset because of him quarterbacking PP1 makes this possible for Val Nichushkin slash Miko Rantanen. And I'm just glad that they're unafraid to tinker with things a little bit and lean into the hot hand that is Byram. It's... I think the big, big selling point for me is, look, if Kelmacar is healthy, you're putting it on PP1. That's 100%. not even a question. But when you look at Taves and Gerard as those other options, not that they're bad. No. They, they do a great job. Like, Gerard quarterbacking a power play set up Byron for a goal five nights ago. But Byron's shot gets a little bit more respect from teams because... He has a significantly better shot than Gerard, and I would argue a significant-ish better shot than Taves. Not that Taves is bad. Byram is just really good. And because of that respect that he gets, it creates openings like this one-timer for Val that gets set up, and it just opens up so many more lanes for Colorado's PP1 to get more creative than, well, I guess we'll feed McKinnon again. Yeah. Which, again, those things work, but more is better. And only some of the time. Honestly, we've seen the way in which that McKinnon one-timer from the left circle grew a little predictable. Yeah. That it, they needed to change it up a little bit. For sure. I'd, just giving them different looks to keep teams honest. Fully, yes. Is huge. You get to the one Calgary goal on the power play in this game. I don't even fault Georgiev for this one. He makes two good saves leading up to this, and, and the rebound comes out and gets in behind him. 
how how are you looking at this, Megan? Are you saying, hey, look, the Avs need to do a better job of staying out of the box? Are you saying, hey, the, the PK needs to do a better job of coverage here? Or are you saying, it's the second half of back-to-back and the Avs won this game 4-1. I do not care. It's tough. Honestly, I just felt like the way this game was officiated, I didn't have an issue with, but it did feel like they were generous with calls to keep the game in order. I agree. And so I don't know that I felt the Avs played an undisciplined game, to be honest. Okay, so things do start to get chippy or into the third. That, that was a whole different but like, ball game. At this that point. point in the game, yeah. I just felt like they were trying to call things pretty quickly just to avoid things getting out of hand. And so as a result, even like this Cagliano trip that gets called that ultimately leads to this power play goal against I didn't have a huge issue with um, I, I don't think that they played an undisciplined game and then how this goal gets scored to it reminded me a lot of the JT Confer goal from along the, the goal line it's yeah, just yeah. really hard to make that save and he had made some saves that led to rebound chances honestly because they had put up three goals before this is why I was not pressed over this goal against exactly how I would have put it. The Avs put themselves in a situation where if they give up a goal there, not a big deal. Now, they had to continue to play well. They had to finish the game. They had to close it out. Yeah. But they afforded themselves the luxury of giving up that goal and getting away with it. Uh, By the way, for the first time ever, not ever, but the Avs uh, ex-player curse didn't hit tonight. That is such an interesting point because we were looking at that power play goal against like, did Naz get at least the secondary assist on it? I think he ultimately did, but it was still even a close call. Right. Honestly. You're stretching to get the Avs X player a point. Right. And there's, there was ample opportunity there. This is uh, reshaping the DraftKings meta, perhaps on the, on the gambling, Uh, because you you just can't bet against the XAV anymore, perhaps, that they're going to get the free goal. I still feel kind of confident in that. (laughs) But I was glad that it didn't come to fruition tonight. Look, right now, the easy bet is Nathan McKinnon first goal. Because, my goodness, that man is on a mission. Either way, you can go over to DraftKings. You can bet $5 with a new account and the DNBR code. You bet it on whatever you want. You don't even have to win the bet. You get $200 in free bets to mess around with. You can take that $200. You can bet it on the Avs to win the Central. You can bet it on the Nuggets to win the NBA championship. I think they renamed the trophy. I, I, yeah, We're not NBA people. I'm sorry, I'm Nuggets sorry. fans. You're coming to the wrong podcast if that's what you're looking for. Uh, you can bet on the Broncos to not suck next year if that's what you want. Don't recommend it. I recommend sticking with a good team. But either way, you can go with DraftKings. You can bet on whatever you want. You can do same-game parlays. You can go into the pools and bet on turtle racing if that's your thing. They've got you covered for whatever you imagine. Head over there. Use the DNVR code. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Other terms, restrictions, and conditions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And, of course, you have a gambling problem. Call 1-800-522-4700. Megan... I'm going to need athletic greens for my voice in the morning. Can you tell the good people about it for me? I sure can. I do need just one second, though. (laughs) (laughs) No, so I actually, Camille was here the other night, and she's unaffiliated with DNVR, and she also takes athletic greens. We are just a friend group, apparently, that is fueled by athletic greens, (laughs) but... 
I, I'm going to pull up the exact reasons. The, the reasons I take it, though, immunity boosting, honestly, I try to derive vitamins from the food that I eat naturally, but I don't always trust that my diet of sexy pizza is going to give me all of the nutrients that I need. So let's see. Right now. It's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the cold and flu season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is giving to you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. I love the immunity call-out because I don't know about your friend group circle, but... Everyone oh, I've had we're in my a friend group mess. has worry. gotten sick, but with yeah. very different things. Yep. There's like ear infections, and it, it's just a lot of different things happening at once. I don't know if it's because we were all in our homes so much last year that cold and flu season is hitting extra hard this year. But I have really valued having a little bit extra in my rotation, vitamins-wise, as a result of this. I actually made a smoothie with it the other day. Um, it's naturally sweeter than you'd expect a greens it powder is, to be. Yeah. You expect it to be so earthy that it might be just not worth drinking, but it has a lemon sweet flavor that mixes pretty well with a lot of different things. All right. So there you go. You can head over to athleticgreens.com slash avalanche to order yours today. Be sure to go to athleticgreens.com slash avalanche. Let them know we sent you over there. Megan already told you if you're traveling, no problem. They send you travel packs. You got you covered. Top to bottom with athletic greens. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to ruin Megan's night and put her on the spot here. Third period. How do you think Colorado did? And you have to talk for like at least a minute straight because I have to go empty my bladder. A whole minute straight talking about the third. You thought period. you were safe when I said I'd do the 60 second rundown. No. So I guess we can start with the Nathan McKinnon penalty since it happens about five minutes into the period. And chat can weigh in on this, too. I'm here with you, man. This was something that Nathan McKinnon was asked about in the postgame that he was incredibly evasive of. It was interesting, too, because he had a really big scrum around him at first. And he didn't want to answer this question about what had happened with Backlund there. And honestly... Even when Bednar was asked about it, he also didn't have an answer because of where it happened in the corner. He just didn't quite see exactly what had happened there. It, it's interesting because you see the retaliatory nature in Mac that's willing to come to his own defense in that moment. But I wasn't quite sure what Backland had done. The, the check was maybe the proximity of the boards was the issue, but... I, I was trying to figure out what had him so upset over that. And honestly, you could tell he was itching to drop the gloves, to fight in that moment. But the Backlund didn't want to take the bait there. So it, it kind of set the tone, though, of this period because it did start to get a little chippy even after that. Did we, let's see, did we, we even glossed over the fight from the second period. But it's, it's interesting to see, I'm not going to lie to you, when I saw that moment, uh, I saw 2-5 on the back of that jersey. I thought this was Logan O'Connor getting mouthy. He's somebody who says things in between whistles that constantly aggravate his opponents that in that moment, I thought it was Logan O'Connor. Looked a little bit closer, realized it's Nathan McKinnon, had flashbacks to Carter Garland in Arizona, and realized that this is actually just the fiery Nate that started the period with that kind of intensity, carried it into the third, and this is just a guy who cares a lot about 
being chucked against the boards. I don't know, Nathan McKinnon, what, where, what was your take on this? The Megan Minute, it I'm sorry. I didn't think so either. I, I understand Nathan McKinnon being a little bit upset about it because he goes in at an awkward angle. His head kind of comes into a dangerous area there with the dasher. I don't have a problem with the way it was called. Don't think it was a penalty on Huberto. Don't do think it was a penalty on McKinnon. I do think Huberto's a soft little bitch, though. <laughs> Is this? Did I? I thought that was Backlund there. Was it? Was it was my bad. Hubie, I think, actually was involved in this Byram. Yeah, you're right. I got Rantanen. My fault. Backlund is the soft one in this situation. Well, because what, what else am I thinking of Backlund from? He, he had something else happen earlier uh, in the, the game. The entire third period was a mess of Calgary doing I, cheap little pokes and I jabs. I really wanted to talk about what happened, though, with Huberto, Rantanen, yes, Byram. Yes, that whole mess of a tussle. Yeah, because what I saw was, I want to say... It was also Backlund again. Um, let me. I think you're correct. No, it might have been. Uh, let's see. No, yeah, I think it was back Backlund again, and he took his skate and hit Mikos from behind so that he fell yeah, backwards. He, he toppled him in a really dangerous way yeah. that Byram took issue with, and I don't necessarily agree with Byram's decision to grab at him from behind because we're dealing with then very two similar dangerous things. But it's in response to what happens to Miko Rantanen. And I feel like it went unaddressed. What happened to Miko Rantanen initially? To sure. me, that's such a dangerous maneuver to get someone skate from behind like that. Slew foot style kind no, of. No, exactly. Slew foot, like they're not in motion exactly when it happens, but it's still really dangerous to fall backwards but like that. Ice is hard, as it turns out, and heads are not so hard. And I, I agree. I Unfortunately, a reality of the NHL, especially in in conference, in division matchups, I know this one is Pacific versus Central, you get a, a tendency for some of this cheap stuff to go down at the end of games that aren't all that close. And it's just unnecessary risk to me. It, 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 if a nothing play at the end of a game that the Avs have clearly won... If Miko Rantanen gets a concussion from that, if he has a serious issue, now thankfully he didn't, but if that alters the course of the Avs season because Calgary was wanting to be whiny and annoying about it, that's messed up. Like, the Avs don't deserve that. And, and Calgary, in my opinion, should be punished for even instigating something like that. Now, I understand they won't be, but I think that's stupid. That was the concern, is because the way it escalated in a matter of seconds, because I think even when Rantanen was on the ground, somebody could have been backlined again. This could be where Huberto came into play. I'm not quite sure. It got messy quick. Yeah. Um, someone kind of takes a shot at his head. Yep. Took issue with, obviously. Don't love what Byram does there either. Nachushkin sweeps in, starts having words with Uyghur. I actually turned to Jesse and I said, do you think Nachushkin understands what Uyghur is yelling at him right now? <laughs> and it's probably just profanity, so probably yes. But it's the I first really, thing you learn in every language. But I really wondered, like, or is it just falling on ears that do not understand a single word this man is saying? <laughs> just a blank stare. No, exactly. <laughs> like, you can't even hurt my feelings. I don't understand you. <laughs> it's... It's a weird part of hockey to me. And, and and I understand the history there. I understand policing yourself. I don't even mind it. I 
I understand that level of the game, but I also understand, and I think every Avs fan, especially this year, should understand how important player safety should be when the Avs have genuinely not played a single game fully healthy this year. You don't want to make that life harder on yourself. No, and it's an important part of the conversation, too, because Curtis McDermott does get pulled by concussion spotters in this game. Yep. It's a little unclear what, like, okay, it's not unclear what the contact was <laughs> that had him pulled initially, <laughs> but what isn't clear is what ultimately kept him out right. then if it was a facial injury or if there was concussion What's concern. the official ruling on Exactly, it, yeah. because Jared Bednar was asked about it and he just wasn't sure what it ended up being about, but that's why he ultimately was pulled. I think there's a lot of caution, especially on the heels of what of happened course. with Makar. Yeah. And I appreciate that. Like, There's a part Definitely. of me that feels Definitely. too little too late, but also it has to happen. Better late than never. No, exactly. Yeah. Better late than never. This is the precedent that I would like to be set in how these types of contact are handled, whether it be in a fight or otherwise. I'm glad that McDermott was pulled as a precaution just to play it safe. Did the Megan Minute cover the Mulgan goal? No, I didn't even get there because I was waiting for you. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I uh, talked about McKinnon she, the whole time. We, we did notice we forgot to talk about the fight in the second the period. The fight, though. honestly, we glossed over the fight we did in the gloss second over period. It. it is what it is. I get it was chippy. I get McDermott is doing this job. I get Milan Lucic is 50% a caveman. Uh, okay, it happened. I don't really have a ton of deep thoughts on it. I don't have a lot on the fight itself. It was interesting because I felt like Lucic was trying to bait England and McDermott into that fight, and it wasn't until they had secured more of a lead that they're like, okay, I'll bite. And it ended up being McDermott. And I, I, I do feel like that's more related to Lucic and the role that he, he wants to prove his worth and his value to his team on nights and games like this to hope and invigorate them. The Avs just didn't really need to do that for themselves. So I guess there's some amount of discipline then shown between a McDermott and an England reading that situation and understanding until they get that three goal lead, like they really don't need to be doing that and engaging in that. Do they need to do it when it's a three goal lead too though? Like. Probably not. That one was a little weird, honestly, because the gloves get dropped. Yeah, McDermott was ready Players to go. are kind yeah. of separated, and then they're allowed, actually, the to go let and engage. cheek off the wall, yeah. Exactly. So it was kind of weird the way it did eventually unfold. There was still a second where you could probably have seen it just stayed broken up, and they don't actually get to fight. And, and look, I, I get it. It's what McDermott is here to do. That's a part of Lucic's game. If that's what they're here for, okay, fine. Let them do their thing. They did it. McDermott, in my opinion, lost the fight. And you moved on. <laughs> well, McDermott moved on to concussion protocol, so it was a little just sad for him in that range. Unfortunate. Because, and but hopefully he's honestly just okay and it's a precaution. And my, I guess my problem is there. That fight happened, and then the third period still happened. You still had all of the nonsense... Right. It wasn't like, okay, this is the fight. That's that part of the game. We're going forward. It was Calgary's going to keep doing cheeky stuff, and, and the Avs are going to push back, as they should. They deserve to, to play that way. Part of their identity last year, and we've started to see this year, is they're not going to take any shit. They're saying, hey, we're not going to be that team that gets pushed around, which I 
more than anything, I think it was good for the Avs more than it was for Calgary. I agree. I think that's kind of the call-out with the McKinnon moment with Backlund, too, is you don't necessarily want to see that out of McKinnon, but that is something in, you don't like to see Rantanen being the one targeted yeah, in that agree. third period. But those are all players who have a team around them, too, that are going to immediately step in, the, in those moments and say that we're not going to take that. I'll put it this way. I would take that moment from McKinnon than last year's moment from McKinnon where you're like, please don't break your hand. No, exactly. <laughs> that was a valid worry in the chat, too. And it, it, it's still a worry. <laughs> you know, hand issues feel like a recurring thing that could always be there that he should be cautious of. Yeah. All that to get to this Dennis Mulligan goal, which... What? <laughs> I walks through the entire Calgary defense and then just rips it glove side on Markstrom? It's it's a tough moment because those two defenders, and then I'm not sure who the third skater was, are Zadorov and Dennis Gilbert. So I'm like, this is not a good moment for the Colorado people, <laughs> the Megan Inglis of the world. <laughs> However... That was really impressive. Honestly, the decision to split between the two and just kind of go wide right there yep. paid off in such a big way. But everything leading up to it, which we always like to talk about here, starts with, I want to say it's Malgan and Nieto applying pressure in the offensive zone on the forecheck. Mm -hmm. Calgary attempts to clear. And I think it's Newhook along the wall who adds pressure. It eventually then gets back to Josh Manson yep. at the defensive blue line who sets it back up the other way to Malgan with speed. And that's honestly like the Cogliano transition earlier in the game. Why this works is the speed. Yep. Malgan has that speed and apparently can cut through defenders <laughs> in a really impressive way. I'm happy for him too because the call out for Bednar in the post game was that's the kind of stuff you see Ranton and, and McKinnon doing. To see Malgan stepping up and doing that, really don't, don't hate to see it. Anything but hate to see it, I think perhaps. And and look, we, we understand the score. We know Mulligan's not going to go out and do that on a regular basis. But the fact that that's in the bag, the fact that he can step out on the ice and defenders have to think there's a world where he can pull this off, that respect makes such a world of difference for the Avs' fourth line, if you want to call it that. Bottom two forwards without a center. Whatever. It makes life so much easier for Colorado when they earn that respect from other teams. And it's important that they can carry threats like that going forward because if a team doesn't respect you, they're going to push forward. They're going to dominate the puck and they're going to make your life harder. Dennis Mulligan just made the Avs' life a whole lot easier. I don't mean to emphasize Dryden Hunt in that too much, but you just look at the trajectory his path has taken with Toronto compared to Malgan's, and it was slow going for Malgan there, but it's still been more productive. Yep. And it has come about at a time in the season where that goal gave them exactly the boost that they needed to feel comfortable closing this game out. It's a criticism we've had at them other points in the season, their ability to close games out, it just is important that the depth is stepping up in this way, playing 11-7 when a lot is being asked of this forward group. Yep. And it's it's that closeout that I think... I'm not saying it's become the mantra for the Avs, but maybe it's the mantra for me, is seeing them get those leads, hold those leads, and finish them in ways that the expected outcome is the Avalanche win. Right. 
this feels like the team that's ready to come for the Central Division crown. Like, that's where I'm at. I know Dallas pulled out a ridiculous win tonight. Oh, my tonight. gosh, in the final, yeah, the yeah. tying. Tied it with less than a minute to go and, and end up winning it. But doesn't matter. The Avs now sit in second place in the Central Division, tied with Winnipeg with games in hand. At this point, the message of the Central Division is they coming. Uh, Megan, any final thoughts on tonight's game before I go out of here and go to sleep? No, you're right. It is almost 1 a.m. It is. Oh, we have super chats as well. We do have All super right. chats. So really no final thoughts other than this isn't even the Avs fully healthy. It just feels was really good to be in this spot right now. No Kale McCarr. And a little bit further away, no Gabe Landeskog. Who we don't have an updated timeline on. It's just like he is progressing, but not so much that we have a clear timeline. However, I'm hearing that Helm's progress. Yeah, that too. Is curious in that he looks really good. And he was somebody at one point where like, will he ever return this season? He he probably will. I can't tell you at one point, but he looks very close now. Interesting. It just means, can we finally now have 12-6? Abs are entering juggernaut mode, all right? Right? It's, it's building here. It's coming. All right, let's get to these super chats. $2 from Vaguely Sober, who says, it's Dennis Mulligan time with the hearts. <laughs> it's such a fun goal. I mean, couldn't get enough of it. $5 from Name here, who said, I read Herb, I read Herb Carnegie's book, Fly in a pail of milk last summer. It's frequently out of print, but highly recommend if you can find it. Have not read it myself. Might have to pick it yeah, up. Thank you very much. Good recommendation. Yeah. Uh, an insane $50 from Tyler. Thank you very much. This team went from five for six in three back-to-backs. Uh, went five for six, rather. Prove to me this isn't the best team in the West. I, I can't. I think it is the best team in the West. I think they may well come for that crown. 27 Swedish bucks from Flats, who says, Jesse leads the pod in shorts per 60. <laughs> yeah, he. I, I, I think AJ might give him a run for his money. I, was say, I don't yeah. really know if I've noticed him wearing shorts more than everyone. I mean, I, I usually wear jeans. You usually wear jeans. AJ and him might be splitting They're that They're battling title. it yeah. out for sure. $5 from Josh, who says, Avs just told the NHL, F your schedule. 11 of 12 points in these nonsense back-to-backs. This team hasn't even hit its final form. Sums it up perfectly in what we were just saying. Thank you very much, Josh. Another five from Tyler saying, Brother Rudo, will you be raising a barn after tonight with thou beautiful Amish beard? No barn, but uh, I, I do... I do want to have a conversation a little bit. I, I took a creeper picture of the press box. Who's, whose beard is better? Is it mine or Evan's? That's a great question. Because mine is, like, if you like the unruly out of control, I think you're taking mine. Right, it has the fullness factor, but Evan's I, has a deliberation about Evans, it. For, like, a kept beard, Evan's is real full. It like, is kept. It's intentional. It's a tough, tough choice there. I'll put it that way. Uh, Five dollars from the walrus himself. Uh, no, he's the walrus. Uh, let's chat about Byram's ceiling and how he's involved in every aspect of the game. 
it must be confusing for opponents. Dude is could genuinely be a star. If he can stay healthy, if he can be a regular impact player for the Avalanche, he's genuinely going to be a star defenseman in this league. Is he Kale McCarr? No, but asking him to be Kale McCarr is insane. That's the best player maybe in the world. And he has things that make him uniquely Byram that are so different from Kale McCarr. Hard agree. He, McCarr, more of the silent assassin. Byram will get in your ear and yeah. let you know about it. Oh, yeah. It. Uh, $20 from the amazing Drew, who says, Nate said on Hockey Night in Canada after hours that, I don't know, it wasn't a dirty hit, I just got angry. I think that's a perfect example of what it is. And I think Backlund was soft as, as hell for not stepping up to Max Challenge. That's the funniest answer. I just <laughs> got angry. I mean, at least he's honest about it. And then $2 from Degro who says, GG, thoughts on being at the game live. Uh, I, I love live hockey. I love watching hockey on TV. I love them both. The one thing I will say, being at the bar... I am a kind of over the the sing along with Blink One Eighty Two. Being in the arena, it's a vibe. Still electric, absolutely atmosphere. a vibe yes. to hear the whole crowd lean into that. It looks like we have one more here that came in late. Uh, Steven says, "Thanks for what you do. Greetings from Arizona. Thank you for the five dollars, Steven. I hope you're staying." cool in Arizona because it's hot there even in February and March and I don't appreciate that uh, alright on that note we are brought to you by FOCO you can go get whatever uh, gear you're looking for over there uh, all sorts of dope stuff our, our producer Tiff is wearing I, what, what would you call that would you call that a Broncos Snuggie it's, it's like that it's a it's a a Broncos hood Hoodies. Hoodies? Hoodies. It's basically a onesie that you can... <laughs> it's like fuzzy on the end. It looks so soft, so like soft. a blanket. Perfect. You can go get gear like that for the ads, for the Broncos, for any team across the country with FOCO. Use the DNVR code to get 10% off your order. Get whatever you want. Have a good time. They're bobbleheads. They've got bunches of them if you're a collector. Get in on it. Get ready for Colorado to come for the top of the Central Division. We are off tomorrow, but it's back to the grindstone running on Monday. We got trade deadline coming up next week. Whole bunch of stuff planned for you. Megan, are you ready for this sprint to the finish? Yeah, like the whole end of the season yeah, or like all the deadline way. specifically? All, no, all the way. Oh, no, I'm excited to live <laughs> in the moment of every part of this Let's go. stretch run. Trade I'm, deadline, I want something to happen. A little I'm ready action. for that to come, yeah. yes. But like, I'm ready to live in the present of every moment of this stretch run. There we go. I'm all about it, chat. You keep living in the present as well. We appreciate all of y'all. We are out of here for tonight. Tonight is tomorrow it's morning at this point. Uh, we will talk to you on Monday. Until then, stay good and goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>